and put your finger in there, and then we'll probably go over to Matthew 21. But Luke chapter 4 is where we're going to start with today. I liked uh, how we were singing. Um, Jesus really didn't want heaven without us, so what did he do? We sang that he brought what? I heard a couple of people say, what did he do? Brought heaven down. We're gonna, that's going to be the theme of uh, what I'll be speaking on today, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture about how Jesus brought heaven down. So y'all to Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. I should probably go there too. That would be a good idea. Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16. And this is uh, speaking of Jesus um, as he goes into the temple on the Sabbath day into the synagogue. So starting in verse 16, we'll end probably verse 21. So he, Jesus, of Nazareth, um, where he had been brought up. That's, so he came into Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as is the custom... He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recover the sight of the blind. He has set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what he came to do. So then he says in verse 20, then he closed the book, or actually in verse 21, then he closed the book and gave it to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I believe today, this scripture will be fulfilled as you hear it. I believe that. I believe that there are some that have come in here that have been brokenhearted. I believe that there may be some that even have been held captive. I believe that some might even have a spiritual or even a physical blindness that's on them. Um, some are not maybe in liberty today. Today, Jesus is going to set you free. I believe that. So, Father God, as we open up your word, I just ask that these promises in your word are true, and we know they are. They are yes and amen, every promise. Father, help this vessel to be yielded to your word. Allow your Holy Spirit and the anointing that's already in this place to flow freely, to touch hearts and minds, and to fulfill what Jesus said he came to do in his word. Amen and amen. Hey, turn over now to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, just a, a few books um, closer to the Old Testament. Matthew 21, first book in the New Testament. Matthew 21, verses 21. So Matthew 21, 21. Matthew 21, 21. I'll, actually, I'll start in 20. And he said, and when the disciples saw it, and what did he, they see? What actually he said is um, he saw this uh, fig tree that wasn't producing Figs, so he cursed it and it withered immediately. And, and when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did this fig tree weather away so soon? 
So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what is done to this fig tree, but also say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it will be done. Now listen to verse 22 here, because this is so important to all of us to simply believe this verse. And whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you'll receive some of them. I didn't get any reaction from anybody. <laughs> what did that say really in verse 22? And whatever things you ask in prayer believing, what will happen? Okay, let's read it again. And whatever things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. Is that a promise of God? Are all the promises of God yes and amen? So I want to just spend some time reading a lot of scripture. Um, and just stick up. You don't have to jump to everyone. But I'm going to give you. Jesus was a beautiful teacher. And we go through all his teachings. And it's great. And his parables. I'm going to just go through some of his actions. And how he brought heaven down on this earth. So starting in um, John chapter 1. Um, I'm going to go through some of his miracles and some of the things that maybe were not natural to the to the earth, but were natural in heaven. Because we are to bring heaven to earth, amen? And I want to see heaven brought to you, every person in here today. So I'm going to start with John chapter 2, and I'm just going to paraphrase here. Here's Jesus' first miracle. He turns water into wine in John chapter 2. And here's how difficult it was for Jesus. Listen to Jesus' words. Fill the water pots with water. Draw some out now. Boom. Miracle. The nobleman's son was healed in John chapter 4. Here's what Jesus said. Go and your son will live. In Luke chapter 5, this is the first miraculous provision of fish. They're fishing all night. They're not catching anything. Jesus says this. Put out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. Boom. Their nets were overflowing, almost ripping. Let's keep going on. The lepers, uh, this leper's healed. This leper comes into his presence. And this is um, Matthew 8, Mark 1, and Luke 5 where this uh, is talked about. Here's what Jesus did. The leopard said, he said to the leopard, because the leopard said, I don't know if it's your will that you should heal. And here's what Jesus said. I'm willing. Be clean. Boom. Done. The centurion's servant um, was near death. And this is in Matthew 8, Luke 7. And he comes to Jesus. And Jesus says this, Go, let it be done unto you as you believed it would. Boom, done. Do you kind of get a picture here that Jesus kind of, when he brings heaven, it's like a very simple thing. It's not a lot of toil with him. He had so much belief in his father. He only heard and said what his father would say. He only spoke the words that his father would say. That when he spoke, it was so, every word was so filled with heaven that, oh, let's just go on. I'm just going to keep reading some of these things. Here's a widow's son um, who's dead. So here's a f funeral going by Jesus. By the way, every, everyone who was brought to Jesus, everyone that he came in contact with that was brought to him was healed. Physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Every single one. So he's, he comes in contact with a funeral happening. And uh, he says this. Young man, I say to you, get up. 
young man raised from the dead, right there on the spot. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law had this bad fever, and uh, so he's at Peter's house. He sees that she has a bad fever. This is in Matthew 8, Mark 1, Luke 4. He touched her hand, didn't even say a word in this place, touched her hand, and the fever was gone. Wow. Uh, there's a paraplegic person, basically, you can't walk or move their body. Basically, they um, have some type of nerve damage or whatever it is. So there's this paraplegic person in the presence of Jesus in Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 5, and John 5. So it's in all four Gospels. And so he's laying out on a map, on a mat, and Jesus comes in contact with him. And here's what Jesus says. Get up. Take your mat, go home. Person got up, took their mat, and was gone. Healed. I want you to see a lot of these because I want you to know and understand. When heaven invades earth, it's that simple. It's that easy. And I believe there's going to be an invasion of heaven on you today. Some of you have come in with some things that the enemies put on you, some junk that's got on you. But when heaven, when God's heaven invades your earth... It's that simple and that easy with Jesus. Amen? Is there any name bigger than Jesus? I know we were thinking that. What a beautiful name it is. Amen? Um, a man with a withered hand. So his hand's all withered. And this is in Matthew 12, Mark 3, and Luke 6. So it's in three of the Gospels. Here's what Jesus did. The hands, man's hands are withered. He says, stretch out your hand. Man, stretch out his hand. Healed. No other prayers. No, no, stretch out your hand. He's healed. A blind and a dumb man, person that can't speak, um, was healed after he was actually delivered of demons. So Jesus uh, drove out the demon of the man that was mute. The demons left him, and the mute man began to speak. Um, it doesn't even say what he did to drive out the demons. It just said he drove out the demons, and the man starts speaking and was healed. That's simple. And that's in... Um, Matthew 12 and Luke 11. Um, here he's in a, in a boat sleeping, trying to sleep. And, uh, you know, he's with fishermen who are, you know, should be hardened people who are out in boats and everything. But a storm, a tempest rises up. So Jesus, uh, and this is Matthew 8, Mark 4, Luke 8, gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says, peace, be still. He rebukes the wind and the waves and says, peace, be still. What happened? They were still. Um, there's this demon-possessed person in uh, Gardea, and that's in uh, Matthew 8, Mark 5. And he said, well, actually, in Matthew 8, it's, this is two people possessed. And he said these words to the person who was demon-possessed. Go. That was it. <laughs> and the demon had to leave. In another place, he said in Mark 5, so this is a different, actually, demon issue. Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And the unclean spirit came out of the man. Jairus' daughter is dead. So he comes to Jesus, Matthew 9. This is, again, in Mark 5 and Luke 8. Um, he went in and took the girl by the hand. And she got up and was raised. 
Again, that simple. When heaven invades earth. Um, the woman with the issue of blood, she's not even supposed to be out in public. But she goes and reaches the hem of his garment, knowing that if I can just close, get close to Jesus, the one who invades earth with heaven, and this is in Matthew 9, Mark 5 again, and Luke 8, a lot of them in those sections of scripture. After she's healed, he says, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. So she was already healed, but he, she, he wanted to let everybody else know. Hey, it was your faith that made you well. Um, two blind men come in contact with Jesus in Matthew 9. And both of them are healed. He says these words to them. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. And they were healed. A person who was, uh, again, uh, dumb, couldn't speak, and he was a demoniac in Matthew 9. Um, and then when the demons are driven out of the man, uh, he began to speak. doesn't even say that Jesus said anything. Basically, he drives the demons out of the man, and the man begins to speak. Um, then he gets with the, all these folks who need some food, and he's with these 5,000 men. There's probably, counting women and children, a whole bunch of folks there. So well more than 5,000. And uh, this is in several of the Gospels. He takes... What they have, what which was what? Five loaves, two fish. He gives thanks for the loaves. He breaks them, so he gives thanks to God. He gives them to the disciples. And what happens? The disciples pass them out, and what happens? They miraculously expand, or everybody's got lunch. That's simply when heaven touches earth. Um, Jesus walks on the sea. So here he comes on the stormy sea. He's walking to them and, you know, it's a stormy sea. And one person, Peter, sees them and says, you know, that's, I want to come out to you. And so Peter um, calls out to him. And this is in Matthew, uh, Mark, and in the Gospel of John. And here's what it, here's the big thing that Jesus teaches them here. Come. Come. That's all he said to him. And because of who Jesus is, his eyes were on Jesus and he began to walk on water. Now, of course, when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. But he walked on water with one word from Jesus. One word from Jesus. Come on, when we get one word from Jesus, what could it do to us? Wow. Uh, this Greek uh, daughter... Uh, comes to him and Jesus kind of says, hey, you know what? Right now this is for the Jews, but because of her faith, she begins to speak to him. And so this is in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. He says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. What if it was that simple, that if we had great faith that our request is granted? Well, I kind of think that all the promises of God are yes and amen. And if we read it and see it, that no matter how much junk the enemy's put on us, no matter how hurt we've been, no matter what the world has got on us, that if we see it and believe it, that Jesus is bigger than that. And today, Jesus is bigger than that in your life. And he wants to take some of the things from your life. And all we have to do is believe that he will do it. And he will. Come on, he's come to set the liberty, at liberty, those who are captives, to set us free. He's come for a specific purpose. And he's willing 
Here's uh, something very simple to know and understand. How much do you think you're worth to God? And I've said this before, but it's a simple question. How much? Because, um, Dale, you're in the sales business, right? So usually a car is worth what somebody's going to pay for, right? So how much did Jesus, or how much did God pay for us? Think about that for a minute. He gave his only begotten son for you. He paid a very, very, very high price for you. That's how much he loved you. He thought you were worth that. But the enemy tries to keep us down and say, no. Jesus thinks not only that you're worth that, but he came and died for you. And now his word is given to you so that you can walk in newness of life, so that you can walk in the things that he's done here. Um, again, here's um, a deaf and dumb man in Mark chapter 7. It says, um, I can't pronounce his name here, Euryphidia, Euryphidia, that is, be opened. Oh, he didn't say that. He said, be opened. So he basically says to the deaf and dumb man, be opened. So he's talking about his mouth and his ears, I guess, because immediately he began to hear and began to speak. So he said in the Aramaic language, be opened. And his ears and his mouth worked. Again, in other instance, they were pretty hungry. They'd been with him for a while. So now they got 4,000 um, men, with, including women and children, a whole bunch of folks. And when he gave thanks to the, um, he broke the bread, gave them to disciples, and turned it to the people, and they gave it away. So again, very, very similar to the feeding of the 5,000. He gets some bread, breaks it, offers it up to God gives it to the disciples, and in the disciples' hands, it multiplies as they're passing it out. That's Jesus, heaven, invading earth. A blind man kind of ran into Jesus in Mark 8, uh, 22 through 26. And this is something I don't understand, but he puts spit into his hand, saliva on the guy's eyes, and he says, can you see anything? And then he says, well, I see people walking as trees. So Jesus then touches his eyes one more time and he can see. I don't understand how that works, but basically spits, rubs his eyes. Oh, I can see people like trees. I can see a little bit. Okay, boom, touches his eyes again. They see, he sees. Uh, a demoniac, a very lunatic boy, the, the scripture calls. Basically, this boy is the one who would throw himself into the fire and his dad was all like, what do we do? And and this is in Matthew 17, Mark 9, Luke 9. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was cured instantly. Wow. <laughs> um, the, here's a, something kind of interesting. Um, they had to pay their taxes, so they come to Jesus, and they said, you know, we we got to pay our taxes, Jesus. What are we going to do? And so in Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27, Jesus gives us command. Go in the sea, cast a hook, take the fish that comes up first, and when you open its mouth, you find a piece of money. Take it and give it to them for me and you. <laughs> miracle provision. We need a miracle provision for that building. Amen? Come on, do you think that Jesus has a way to get this building completed if we have faith in that? I'll go through a few more. Matter of fact, in John 21, it talks about if they had written down everything Jesus did, they wouldn't have books to contain it all. 
So basically, the Bible and the four Gospels gives the story of Jesus and gives us what we need to know. But much more things happen. And what I'm giving you here, much more things happened in the scriptures. I'm giving you just a few scriptures here because I want to whet your appetite with what and who Jesus really is and what he came to do for each and every one of us. Um, so um, here's uh, someone who was born blind. Oh, they, so they were born blind, so there was nothing of sin or anything. They were born this way. It wasn't nothing they did. They were born that way. It might have been a generational curse of some kind or something, but they were born blind. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 44, it goes on to say, and he says this to the person whose eyes were not working because they were born blind. Go, wash in the pool of Shalom. Goes and washes in the pool, his eyes are open. Wow. Um, a woman is cured of 18 years of an infirmity. So 18 years, she's infirm. She's bent over, her back's all messed up, she's infirm. Um, something has gotten to her. Basically, an infirmity is, is something somehow that the enemy has put on us. None of us have ever had that happen, I'm sure. Um, but here's something that the enemy has put on this person. In Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Come on, Jesus wants to set us free of our infirmities. She came to him. 18 years she had this infirmity on her. You know, you ever get those doctor reports and those things on you where they just keep feeding you with stuff and, and, and you're, it, you got something on you and it just doesn't go and it doesn't go. Or you know somebody who's had something and they start calling it theirs. Well, I have, and they name it, um, this is my, and they start even naming the thing that it's theirs. This woman had an infirmity, 18 years. And Jesus says, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Today, Jesus will set you free from some of the infirmities that may have been getting on you. I truly understand and know that Jesus wants to do that today for you. Because he said in the word of God what he's come to do. Here's a person who um, has a swelling disorder. They call it dropsy, or, but it's a really swelling. Anybody ever had anything swelling? Um, swelling on you, your feet, your legs, your whatever. Swelling, a water too much water retention. That's in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. I don't know what he did, but somehow he took a hold of the man, maybe laid hands on him, whatever, but boom, sent him on his way, healed. That quick. Ten lepers come to him. Um, in Luke chapter 17, uh, 11 through 19, now in the Old Testament, and in the Jewish tradition, anybody that has leprosy has to go to the priest, and then the priest has to look at them to make sure that they're either they're healed or they have leprosy. So it's the priest's job to say, you have leprosy, you're unclean. You've been somehow made whole, which doesn't happen very often in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, it very rarely ever happened. So here comes ten lepers to Jesus. Go your way and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went their way, it said they all got healed. One actually came back and said, thanks. So as they went on their way to show themselves to the priest, they were healed. Wow. Look at how it. Go, your, go show yourselves to the priest. 
Lazarus, his friend, you know, they came to him and says, hey, your, your friend Lazarus is dying. And he just kept doing his ministry as he's going to Lazarus. And things were happening, and, and people were like, you know, you got to get moving. Lazarus is dying. Well, Lazarus dies. And this is in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46. And he goes to the grave of Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, come out. <laughs> that simple. That's heaven touching earth. A blind beggar um, who Jesus comes in contact with in Mark 10 and Luke 18 uh, believed that Jesus could heal him. So Jesus says this to him, go, your faith has healed you. And he was healed. We just read about the barren fig tree um, in Matthew 21, but he sees this fig tree that's not producing fruit, and he just curses it, and the fig tree right away <laughs> just dies. Um, and he says this to the tree. These are the words of Jesus to the tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And boom, it's, it's happened. Do you believe that death and life is in the power of Jesus' tongues and what he speaks, he eats the fruit of it? And that he says those same words to us. Um, here they're to come to take Jesus um, uh, in the garden uh, of Gethsemane. And Malchus, uh, one of the people, um, Peter cuts off his ear trying to stop the people from taking Jesus. And Jesus says this, he answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear. And the man's ear was totally healed, restored. Supernatural miracle. Ear cut off. Jesus says, no more of this. Boom. Puts the ear back on. Totally healed. Um, Jesus now, after he's resurrected, they're fishing. The disciples are all fishing in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. They hadn't caught anything all night. And Jesus comes up to them from the, from the shore. And he says, hey, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Basically find some fish. So what they do, they throw their nets on the right side of the boat and the fish, the nets are full. After they've been fishermen who know, should know what they're doing, were fishing all night and didn't catch anything. Now these are some of the things of how Jesus walked on this earth. And again, if we, I could have put more here. I, I could have wrote down more. Um, but I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, I want you to see something here that's very important. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. This is very important for each of you to, to, to get this and know this and understand it. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. <clears throat> and it says, this is Jesus speaking to us. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me... The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I'm going to read this again, because I want it to sink in to all of us. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also on greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
Is that a promise out of the scriptures? Um, here's something that I want to just share with you quickly. And I know I've been going on about these miracles and the things, how, how heaven came to earth. It says in 1 John 2, 6 in the New Living Translation, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's what the scripture says. Um, what about the people that were around Jesus? What about his disciples? What happened to them? Let me just go through some of the things that happened to them because they were associated with Jesus, because Jesus got on them, because some of heaven's kingdom got upon them, and because it got on them, they began to walk in what Jesus was walking in. So just a few scriptures here. Um, here they begin to anoint people with oil in Mark chapter 6, verse 13. So Jesus is teaching them, and they anoint people with oil. Oil And here's what happens. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them all. This is, this is the disciples. This isn't Jesus. Here's um, Luke chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, they're preaching and healing everywhere. And it says, so they set out and went from the village to village proclaiming the good news and healing all people everywhere. This is the disciples. This isn't Jesus. Let's go on a few more. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, the Great Commission is told to them, to, and to us, and preaching everywhere, signs begin to follow. So here's what happened in that section of Scripture. Disciples, the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Um, in Acts chapter 3, it says... Um, um, I think it was Peter and John were going to the, it was, without opening it, they're going into the temple, but here's this man who's begging, and uh, he says, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the person right there rises up and walk. Why? Because they gave him the name of Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus Christ, heaven touches earth. Because Jesus Christ and who he is. And Jesus Christ now lives in us and his spirit lives in us. And because we have that name and he says, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be done. We have the authority to do these things. Um, the sick actually were laid in the streets so they might get a shadow of one of the disciples of Jesus. And that's in Acts chapter 5. People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats. So at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by. And in verse 16, it says, and they were all healed. Come on, is there something, is there a disconnect somewhere? Why aren't we seeing this stuff now? Why, why don't we, is it simply because we don't believe it? Because I know it's true. And I know that a lot of us have been touched by junk and got stuff on us, including myself. But I know that when Jesus comes and touches us, that he heals sozos physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Let me go through a couple more. Here um, in Acts chapter 6, uh, they, chapter 6, verse 5, they had to get these deacons because they had to have deacons because the elders basically wanted to give themselves continually to the word and to prayer. And they 
tried to get some of the administrative stuff off them, and that's so important. Again, I'll get off on something that's not part of the message, but for our pastor is to try to get most of the administrative stuff off of her so that she can be give herself to the ministry of the word and prayer. That's why there are deacons. That's why there are church leaders around her, and that's why that's needed. She should not be doing all the administrative stuff. Her job is to give herself to the word and prayer, but a lot of times what happens to pastors, because I'd be one one time, <laughs> is you get so caught up in the administrative stuff and so caught up into all that you got to run the place and, and the administrative stuff then begins to take up too much of your time and you're trying to be an administrator and what God wants you to do to be so close and be in his word and in prayer with him and in one with him. Man, I love it when I see on Pastor um, Brenda the anointing of the Holy Spirit all over because she's been in the presence of God and it just gets on us. And so anyway, they, they had to get some deacons because... All this administrative stuff was happening. The church is growing. So, and uh, one of these deacons now, in Matthew 6, 8, Stephen performed great wonders and signs among all the people. So as soon as he becomes a deacon, now he's performing signs and wonders among all the people. And then Philip, another one of the deacons that they made a deacon, goes to Samaria, and a great revival breaks out. Um, in Samaria, this is in Acts chapter 8, with shrieks and in the impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so that there was great rejoicing in the city. And a revival breaks out because the deacon goes there, the administrative person goes there, and the city breaks out in a revival. Um, Aeneas, uh, um, who had been bedridden for eight years, was paralyzed. But what happened? He became healed because of that great thing that happened in that city. That was part of the healing in Philip's ministry. Acts chapter 9, um, in Lydia, um, the city of Lydia, God raises a girl from the dead. And this is Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 40. Um, he turned to her body and said, Tabitha, get up. This is Peter. And the girl arises from the dead and gets up. Um, Brother Ananias lays hand on Saul of Tarsus. Saul is going to kill all kinds of Christians, so he gets um, knocked down to the ground. He becomes blind. He's got scales over his eyes. And so Ananias comes, lays hand on Brother Saul, and the scales come off his eyes, and he sees clearly. So Saul then becomes Paul, who wrote, a lot of the New Testament. Because somebody did what Jesus said and said, go lay hands on him now, and his eyes are going to be opened up. And he goes and lays hands on his eyes, and he could see. And he was filled by that. He also, let me just read it. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here, he has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm going to lay hands on some people today. I'm going to believe you're going to regain your spiritual sight and be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me go through a few more here. Um, and it also, immediately, those scales fell off his eyes. Uh, in our Iconium, uh, this is in Acts chapter 14, the Lord confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. So as they're preaching in the city of Iconium, here's what happens. Signs and wonders are performed that then prove the word of God. 
in Acts chapter 14, there's a crippled man there. And the disciple says, stand up on your feet. And that man jumped up and began to walk. Unusual miracles were happening actually at the hands of Paul. So they actually had to call them even unusual miracles. But you know, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs and aprons that merely touched his skin or were placed on sick people, they were healed of all their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Wow. Acts chapter 20, um, this person dies. And I think it's Paul in this instance. I'm not going to say the name because I don't have it written down here. But they're preaching. Acts chapter 20, verses 9 through 12 is where it's at. And he says, don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. What happens? A person rises from the dead. Um, Paul's being sent to Rome. They have a shipwreck. Um, if they get in the island of Crete, what happens is this, or Malta, I'm sorry, the island of Malta, and a snake bites them by the fire. It's a poisonous snake bites them. All the people are saying, okay, when's he going to fall over dead? He doesn't fall over dead, so now they're saying he must be a god or something. So anyway, um, the chief of the island in Malta, uh, his father is sick. So Paul went uh, in to see him. And after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. So now the chief's father is now totally healed. And here's the next few verses. So the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. So all the rest of the sick on the island of Malta come to Paul and they're all cured. Wow. <laughs> so I just want to say that in the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So if God said these things are true and they're for the, us to show for signs and wonders to confirm the word, then that's true. And that the word of God is true. And I know that our circumstances sometimes don't follow what the word of God shows. And sometimes we get into stuff that gets on us. All of us do. I'm not saying you're a bad person because you might not be walking in this. Because I'm not walking in this. But I know that I should be, and I hunger for it. And the scripture says that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So I believe that there is a place that we need to grow and mature as a body and as individuals in Christ, that we take what he says is true, and that when he, heaven, invades earth, that there is a supernatural change. Because any time heaven touches earth, heaven always wins. Amen? And that includes you. So you are earth. I'm made of earth. So I know every time heaven touches me, come on, heaven wins. And I'm going to lay hands on some of you today. And I know that heaven's going to win. Because I am nothing but a conduit from the glory of God flows through this vessel to touch you. And heaven is going to touch you today. And things will change because heaven always wins. A touch from heaven always wins. What Jesus did always wins. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears say, Come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely come to the water of life. I'm going to ask uh, Crystal if she begins to play and we begin to close now. Um, and the altar ministry I just want to share with you today is 
I just know there's an anointing in this place that what we just talked about in the word is true. Amen? Um, is it? Do you think it is? Do you think what I read today is just something to read or is it real? It is, isn't it? I'm, I, I know that when I lay hands on the sick, they're supposed to be healed. I'm going to ask Sharita to stand up right now. I don't want to put you on the spot, but diverticulitis, stomach issues, small intestines, colon issues, gone in Jesus' name. We curse it. We command it to go in Jesus' name. Anxiety and peace instead of anxiety. You are healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Peace. Another couple weeks in Jesus' name. Diabetes, you have no authority. In the name of Jesus, you have to go now. We command you to leave in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know there's folks that have things on, and maybe you don't want me to say them out loud. If you want to just come up, I'll pray with you individually. But I know there's an anointing in this place, and I know if I lay hands on you right now, that those things will be gone, whatever it is. Um, the residual of any effects of the cancer totally gone in Jesus' name, not returning. That Goliath has been killed in the name of Jesus and it's not coming back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Peace over you. Heart issues totally gone in Jesus' name. No heart issues in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to, instead of going around the room, I'm going to ask, uh, let's, if I can have the um, altar ministry time, we can have the worship team come on back up. We'll have one more song and I'm here to lay hands on you all. Thank you, Father, right now for our youth leader, our children's leader, our children's pastor, Lord. Um, the anointing for such a time as this, we're going to see huge breakthrough in the ministry of the youth, the young adults, the children. Thank you, Father. Give them the strength to carry on in this area. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.